G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. To make the New Covenant more palatable for modern readers, in many places where the word slave is used to describe Christians being slaves of Christ, the translators use the word servant instead. Mm. And you've got to ask why. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We began a short series on why it's so important to study biblical culture in order to get a solid, balanced understanding of what scriptures want to communicate to us. Sometimes we want to make the text say something that it doesn't say. That's usually because we're thinking like a person from the 21st century instead of a person being communicated to in 700 BC in ancient Babylon, for example, or someone at the beginning of the first century in Roman-occupied Judea. To understand what the Bible tells us, we have to read what the Bible tells us not what we think or what we want it to tell us. Look, it's really understandable why we come to the conclusions that we do because the 21st century modern life that we live in a very wealthy, very technologically savvy Mm. Western community, it's the only point of reference that we've got. That's right. So it's understandable. However, it's also a great blessing for us that we have the resources that we mm. have that we can actually dig into the scripture and find out what it was culturally like at the time yeah, so that the true. Bible was written. That way, we get a much better understanding of the actual message that was being portrayed. It's also really important to study biblical culture in order to understand what the text says and is trying to communicate to us. So, sure, you can read the words on the page, but what meaning Do we give to those words? We've talked about this before. Mm, Word definitions are important, especially when you consider the fact that word definitions change over time. And so if we're putting a current definition onto an ancient word, we can get something really, really wrong in our understanding. For example, in the original manuscripts of both the Old and the New Covenants, there is no usage of the word refugee. Or something similar to that. But in recent years, modern translations that continue to update themselves have begun to use the word refugee generally in the place of the word fugitive. Mm. Now, my automatic thought is, but they're two totally different meanings of the word. Well, that's right. And according to our current understanding and usage of the word fugitive, it doesn't it doesn't even come close. No, that's right. Well, you've only got to look at an online dictionary and look at the word fugitive, for example. It says a person who is fleeing as from prosecution in tolerable circumstances, a fugitive from justice or a fugitive from a dictatorial regime. Yeah, and that's what my thought would be if mm. you're talking about a fugitive. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas uh, the word refugee would be defined as a person who flees for refuge or safety, especially to a foreign country, as in time of political upheaval or war. As in Afghan refugees fleeing the Taliban or something. And we would go, well, that doesn't even come close to a fugitive. Mm. But what's happened is that there are some translations of the Bible who use those two words interchangeably Mm. as if they're the same thing. 
and they're really not. So you come away with misunderstandings. So we would never use the word fugitive for refugees fleeing from ISIS Mm. or the Taliban in Afghanistan, and we would never use the word refugee for Idi Amin, for example, the tyrant in Uganda when he fled to Saudi Arabia to escape prosecution, Mm. living like a bazillionaire in Saudi Arabia to the end of his days. So it's actually really, really important to know what the text actually says when you study it, and it's also why it's really, really important to have a solid translation to study from. Well, that's right, yes, because I guess we rely on the translators and we just assume that they've done the work, but sometimes that isn't the case. I mean, for example, uh, if we look at Blue Letter Bible, online it's blueletterbible.org, the NASB translation for the word slave. Uh, Now, in the Old Covenant, it's found 36 times, and in the New Covenant, the word slave is found 65 times. That's in the NASB. But when you change the translation to the ESV and search for the word slave, it only brings it up 17 times in the New Covenant. So essentially that means that there's 48 places in the New Covenant in the ESV translation where the word for slave is missing. And that's actually because they've changed it to servant. So there are several different Greek words that are used for slave. Okay, they are, I'm not going to pronounce these properly, (laughs) by the way, just saying. They are doulos, doulo, and doulogogeo. I'm glad you (laughs) did them. If you say it fast, it sounds like you know what you're saying. (laughs) But they are all variations from the root word for slave. Mm -hmm. The Greek word for servant, and I'm going to mispronunciate this too, is wiperidus, and it is never, ever ever used to describe a slave of any kind. Mm. Yet, to make the New Covenant more palatable for modern readers, in many places where the word slave is used to describe Christians being slaves of Christ, the translators use the word servant instead. Mm. And you've got to ask why. Well, I guess the the obvious answer is because the the term slave or slavery has a very negative connotation, doesn't it? So yeah, they it, think, oh, well, we don't want to sort of put that into the uh, into the text. Servant sounds more palatable mm. because yeah. of those negative connotations. Yeah. Well, an example is one Corinthians seven. So in the NASB, uh, we read verse twenty two, where Paul said, "For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who was called while free." is Christ's slave. Now, if we look at that same verse in the ESV, it says, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. It sounds so much nicer, doesn't Hmm. it? Yeah. Well, it might sound palatable, but the definitions and meanings of those two words, slaves or bondslave, or servant are very, very different. Mm. It would be good to do a comparison of what a slave was and what a servant was. Yeah, well, this is really important for understanding the context of the text and I guess what Paul was trying to present here. So let's look at slave, for example. Slaves were property owned 100% by another person. Whereas servants were employees. Well, a slave had no say over what they wore, what they ate or what they drank. And servants had the option to leave their employer if they were unhappy with Mm. the conditions. That's right. A slave completed tasks that were set for them, whether they liked it or not. And servants received remuneration for the work that they did. Even if they didn't like it, they at least got paid Mm. for it. A slave got up when they were told. They went to sleep when they were told. (laughs) They just basically did what (laughs) they were told. And for a servant, they had to fulfill predetermined tasks set by their employers. Mm. 
Well, a slave, of course, the other thing was that they never got a day off. No, they didn't. Servants have rights and they have protections according to the law and generally did have days off, mm. time off for holidays, birthday, all those kind of things. Yeah. Well, a slave could be killed as well. They could be beaten or abused at the whim of their owner. Servants have the right to live in their own homes or they can negotiate mm. on the conditions or having their room and board or something like that. A slave could be sold to somebody else with no possibility of recourse. Servants, on the other hand, could leave their employment if they were unhappy. Mm. So it was in the employer's best interest to make life a little more comfortable for them. And finally, slaves had absolutely no rights or protections, especially in the ancient world, although that was a little bit different in Israel. Yeah, yeah, it was. Actually, slaves actually did a whole lot better. They even got a day off and they had to have, you know, when they were released in Israel, they had to be sent away with their arms filled with Mm. money and goods and things so they didn't go out alone. But servants had protection of the law against such abuses. Mm. So the difference between being a slave and being a servant is very, very different. And yet, in the New Covenant, there were many, many references to us as being slaves of Christ, not servants mm-hmm. that where we can negotiate how we want to serve yeah, him, that's right. but a slave that just says, Lord, I will do what you tell me to do, that's right. how you tell me to do it, when you tell me to do it, where you tell me to do it, and with whomever you tell me to do it. It's a yeah. totally different mindset. Absolutely. So important to be aware of that. And that's just an example, I guess, of understanding the biblical text that we read. Exactly. So we're going to continue this uh, series next time as we look at why is biblical culture so important. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.